0: You're listening to Interviews with Adam. I'm your host, Adam Miller. Uh, When I started out planning out this year's study, uh, we always do a study of the psalms here in the summer. And I started actually last year preparing for this year. We're going to be looking at book three of the psalms, delving into the psalms of Asaph and others who are very similar and fitting in with Asaph in this regard. Uh, and I came across a really great book uh, by John Kitchen called Life as Worship, when reverence defines reality. And uh, it was a huge encouragement in preparing me for this study, so I figured why not have him as our guest and talk with him about the book and about the Psalms of Asaph. So, uh, John, thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message. Well, thank you, Adam. It's a delight to be with you. Well, why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit of what drew you to Book 3 of the Psalms, and the Psalms of Asaph in particular?
1: Well, I uh, I always try to, much as you're doing with your audience, I think, you know, try to expose our people here in our congregation to the, the Book of Psalms at some regular intervals, and uh, finding ways to communicate that meaningfully that connects to life is a big part of that. And in the process of that, I really began to... To just be drawn to those Psalms of Asaph, and then began to realize that what I was finding in him and his life, and in the Psalms that come from him, uh, was really a kind of thing that God was doing in my own life, in terms of just you know dialing me in, focusing me more specifically on just that the great joy of life is the immediacy of the fellowship we have with Jesus, and that life with him is. You know, uh, it's a life of worship, and it's our greatest joy. And so I just began to find that arising out of the text of these psalms. And so it really began to be passionate in my heart, not as a pastor, but just as a follower of Christ.
0: Yeah. And that fits in perfectly with our study for this year. Uh, the title of the book, Life is Worship. We, we're taking this whole year to, to discuss what worship is. And it's, it's so often that we get caught up into the mindset that we think that worship is just the, the three-song set at the beginning of a worship <laughs> service. Yeah. Uh, but you're writing about the fact that we are called—so lay out—you do this in your introduction so beautifully. Lay out why it's so important for us to think of worship as really the center of our lives. Hmm. Well, I think
1: probably an unexamined reality in all of our lives is that we all worship all the time. It's just a matter of what and whom. Uh, we're born that way before we're redeemed and know Christ were that way. We we, we give sacrifice to things. You know, we give up thing, one thing so we can have another. And different. So we are worshipers by just... Uh, you know moral genetics from god's design in our lives we're we're designed with a worship reflex and so then of course uh when god comes by his gospel and transforms us and makes us new through christ uh that that gets redeemed and, and god begins to uh to uh woo our hearts out toward him and we begin to discover the beauty of of the holiness of god and the uh, the fellowship of God, and uh, that begins to pervade every part of life and transform every part of life. And we begin to find Jesus isn't confined to the three th- songs said at the beginning of the service or the whole service or that day, but every moment of every day. And he uh, comes to lay claim to that, and we 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 gladly meet him in that by making our lives, you know, lives of worship.
0: Mm. It is remarkable because um, when we start to realize that that there's so many aspects of our life that are part of our devotion to Christ, it starts to bring those areas of our life into conformity with the gospel and our call to walk in a manner that's worthy of, of Christ, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, Tozer, I believe, is one who said it. You know, why did Christ come? Why did He live? Why did He die? Why did He rise? Why did, you know, so forth, through all of the the facts of Christ's life and ministry? And He said, it is it is so that He can make worshippers out of rebels. And uh, and that's that's the joy of our lives being transformed. All the while, you know, where we've we've been on this bent to going to be self governed and self directed and autonomous and do our own thing, we begin to come back to that place of, you know, that uh, submissive yieldedness, and uh, and find that he, he meets us there and it becomes a throne of worship, whatever we're doing, wherever we're at. And life, as worship, becomes kind of the ruling metaphor or picture in our minds about what life's all about.
0: Now, you're writing about the, the Psalms of Asaph, and many of our listeners are going to be asking... Who in the world is Asaph? But uh, you do a great job at explaining, and I think this is a critical point. People need to read the postscripts uh, or the uh, superscriptions of of the Psalms because there's a lot there, and we often overlook them, and we often don't even read them when we're doing our public reading. We just gloss over them. But the superscriptions are critically important to a lot of these Psalms, aren't they?
1: Oh, absolutely. I I, I believe so. I, in fact, one of uh, an earlier book I have written. Uh, called Praying Through takes the, the Psalms of uh, David, which have some historical designation to them. It tells us when they arose uh, out of his life, and I, and I take those chronologically through, and, and I think it really begins to give us a picture, in that case, in David's life, how he journeyed with God through the hardships and joys of life, and just through life as a whole uh, you know, unfolding saga, and... So, also with Asaph, I, I think we, we need to look at those, and we then we know something about the man and his life uh, from the historical books, then we begin to read those psalms differently.
0: Mm. Now, you're a pastor, and I think that that gives you a unique perspective because Asaph was a, was a priest, and uh, I mm-hmm. think that he had a unique perspective when he was uh, really singing these songs to the congregation, um, to his people, uh, to the people that were coming to worship, uh, really imploring them to join with him in worshiping and seeing God rightly, uh, did you kind of connect with uh, asaph in that way if, in his own background in that in that you know, being a pastor and him being a priest and really having a desire for your congregation to to see what these truths are saying so that they might worship God more fully
1: oh absolutely i one of the things I note in the, in the opening chapter is that uh, i i Simply say that Asaph was a worshiper, which is true of all of us as God's people. He was a leader of worshipers. You know, you know, he, he stood in front of the people and led them into the presence of God. And he was leader of worship leaders, so he was training other people to lead other people in worship. And uh... at all of those levels, I began, you know, as an individual follower of Christ, I, I saw, you know, here's Asaph; he's a worshiper. That before all of his professional duties and his you know the things he did is, is, uh, as as uh, a worship leader, he he fundamentally uh, in his own heart, in relation to God, uh, was a worshiper. And all the, if you will, professional, you know uh, clerical, if you will, kinds of things flowed out of that. And we've often said in our you know fellowship here that that uh, when it comes to the folks who help lead worship, The most fundamental thing is not how good their voice is or how much musical talent or ability or training they have or whatever the other parts of the service may be, but do they come as someone who is a worshiper and their life reflects that? And then what they do in front of us and what they help us do uh, in the worship services comes out of a genuine place in their heart. And so I want to lead out of that in my own life, and Ace is just a great picture of that.
0: Yeah, uh, we see uh, in um, that Asaph was joined with uh, two other priests, uh, Heman and Ethan, and they each yeah. have a psalm in in uh, the book three of the Psalms as well. This is kind of a unique section. The sons of Korah, they were Levitical uh, kind of uh, janitors or sextons in in, uh, the (laughs) temple, but they're all very unique because they're there at the place that people come to worship and they have a unique perspective about how life is worship, especially the sons of Korah who are cleaning the toilets, uh, (laughs) right? So (laughs) here you have all of these people coming together with a a unique perspective of worship and they're calling those outsiders who are so caught up in their day-to-day Life to come and join them in worship. I, I think that it gives us a really unique perspective when we understand their background.
1: It does, and it you know it really makes it makes worship, or maybe more specifically, we should say, the, it makes the presence of God the great unifying place for all of our diversity. Not to lose that diversity, but to find the unique perspective and expression our diversity brings uh, to the one great. Uh, you know, unifying reality, and that is God uh, and His presence and uh, all of us bowed together and giving our unique expressions, you know. It's a New Testament principle as well, you know, that that He gives varieties of gifts and so forth and so on, and we're each unique with the imprint of of His stamp of grace on our lives. But it is the Spirit who binds us together as one, and uh, as we focus on Jesus, that finds this beautiful kind of symphonic expression of, you know, Unique and different sounds, if you will, uh, but all playing one great, beautiful tune in and harmony. And, and I think that that's true with these guys as well.
0: You know, uh, I've, I've kind of cataloged these songs of Asaph and really the rest of uh, the songs of, of Ethan and Heman uh, as psalms that preach, because these are priests, mm. and a lot of them have solos that are actually mm. being sung to the church. And Psalm 50 in particular is God's voice speaking. It's not something that you would really sing as a congregation, mm-hmm. but uh, even Psalm 73 is is Asaph very personally telling about his own struggle um, what what is really unique about these psalms that may be different than the rest of the songs that we're very familiar with?
1: Well, I think that they you, there's there's uh, you know there's some debate about the how, what does it mean when it says the psalm is of Asaph? Uh, does it mean it was written by him? Does it mean it was written in memory of him? Does it mean it was written by the school of folks he trained? Whatever, and and I don't know that we need to dial that in you know necessarily in each case. Then can figure that out. Entirely, but what it does is you've got you've got these arising either from a man or from those he's raised and trained as worship leaders, uh, each unique individuals, each uh, but but all called with that calling on them. And so they have a sense of responsibility before the people. They have a sense of calling from God, and they have a sense that when we stand up and do whatever it is we do, and the variety of the way the psalms come out, that we're we're standing in a, a unique place between god and man uh, pre- in a priestly state representing god before man and representing human worshipers before god and in that you know that wonderful privileged place but that precarious place and and so there's this deep sense of Accountability in that, I think it just you know weaves its way all the way through. Um, certainly, that's true of so much. Uh, you know, David as well. But some David's are you know he's in a cave and he's screaming out at some point. He's not performing in front of anybody except coming before God. But these are these are designed in ex- as expressions, very personal though they may be, to come around and help the people meet God and express their worship to God. And I just find that all the way through, uh, that there's things about this that are helpful, not just for me as an individual, well, that's very true, but they're helpful for us. And uh, some of those include things like lament, which we don't tend to do very well in corporate settings. And uh, so maybe in some corporate lament, and and those are, those are powerful uh, aids to us to see how they together went
0: before God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, some of the themes that are here in the songs of Asaph are our judgment and uh, uh, kind of exile, distance from God, waiting on God, questioning God. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. These things don't seem very worship-centered, but they all have mm-hmm. a very key point that is drawing us to worship. I know in Psalm 50, we see that, uh, that God says, uh, if I were hungry, would I come to you? But what he desires from us is uh, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's our worship. That's Mm -hmm. what he wants from us. And I think sometimes we get that confused, and we need to be kind of uh, shaken out of our our comfort zone with some of these psalms, don't we?
1: Oh, I think so. And and yeah, so Psalm 50, when you make thanksgiving your sacrifice, (laughs) well, there's days, you know, we all have come to worship, whether privately or corporately with God's people, and and you come pretty empty, dry, and, uh, you know, you're not coming out of this, you know, overflowing, joyful, you know, well spring feeling of uh, experience with God. It's been a tough week, and you've been hit hard, and, and you come uh, pretty leveled. But all you have to bring <laughs> is thanks. the ability to stop and begin to take stock of the goodness of God in my life. Whatever else may, uh, you know, may feel like it's true. W- thankfulness is never beyond reach as long as we rely on the grace of God and the Spirit, and and that becomes my offering that day, and the, He delights in that. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And then you get over to Psalm seventy three, and you, like you said, you've got uh, you got Asaph in the middle of this soul searching. I'm about ready to give up the ministry kind of moments <laughs> where he just is just perplexed over the the uh, prosperity of the wicked, and yet. It is as he is in the presence of God. It is as he goes into worship with of God and with God's people that the light comes on. When I when I take up the discipline of worship, regardless of how I feel, God does something that is delivers me. I may not get every question answered at that moment, but I begin to be able to to move on in faith with God. And those are great. Uh, well, those are highly personal. Items that—that's nevertheless a wonderful experience as a corporate body to begin to wrestle through those things.
0: I want to pick up on that point that you mentioned in in Psalm 73 because I think that that is critical, especially as what we're discussing is life as worship. Uh, when we are discouraged, when we're facing trials, uh, when we're facing doubts, when we're anxious. Uh, we're called to come to God in worship or prayer. We're called to come to God, and it says there in Psalm 73 that as he was trying to make sense of all these things, he couldn't wrap his mind around it until he came into the sanctuary, and it was worship that transformed his his worldview. It was worship that changed his perspective.
1: Yeah, and that's why the uh, the subtitle is, When Reverence Defines Reality— because reality presses in on all of us in in ways that are painful, and it was certainly painful for Asaph in psalm seventy three um, But there was a sense in which uh, and it wasn't just because of his professional obligations, I don't think uh, you know that he uh, I got to go stand in front of people didn't leave him in worship. But, um, I'm sure he was faithful in that, but but there was a sense of the, you know, I am a follower of god and, and followers of God worship i I come with all kinds of questions, I come with all kinds of unresolved off and yet i'm going to go into the presence of god with god's people and i'm going to worship him and there you know uh, god in the miracle of how he works in each heart uh, you know praise it was a, it was a, a light went on he said then i discerned therein the very ones i was envying i began to look again and i it was something i wasn't seeing and in worship god turned the light on and helped me see that and uh, when I thought my steps were about to slip, what I came to see is how precarious their lives are and how even in the midst of my struggle, when I feel like I'm about to slip in the faith, uh, I awaken and I realize that he's been holding my right hand the entire time. <laughs> well, I'm punching myself out here with all these grand, you know, questions of the faith and wrestling and not finding answers. God just... He says in verse 23, Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. It's like I wake up and I realize, you stuck right next to me, Lord, even while I was struggling. And then I looked and behold, you had me by the right hand. <laughs> and, and you were with me as I was struggling, and I discover that in worship. and It's just a beautiful
0: song. Hmm. I, I love how uh, Asaph says, uh, uh, if I had spoken this way, I would have betrayed uh, the generation of of his people. Uh, Hmm. You know, here's a a priest, and here's the question I have for you, because I really can identify with that, the struggle that I have as times in, in leading worship and drawing people into worship. The, the questions and the doubts in my own head, I think if I, if people only knew who I really was, <laughs> if people only knew what I was struggling with today, they, would, they wouldn't they would believe me, they wouldn't listen to me, they wouldn't accept me, they wouldn't allow me to speak to them today. And it's in that moment that uh, uh, he starts to, to reflect in that way as well. Uh, do you ever feel that, that you're, your spirit isn't right, that you're coming to worship oh. and you're calling people to worship, but it's hard because of the pain that you're mm. feeling?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean pastors may be pastors, but pastors are still people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, I yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember, I just have a very vivid memory, as you, you, you say that, of a, of a morning one time, this is years ago, and I was just, you know, the pace of life and everything, and demands of ministry and needs of family and everything, just had piled up to a point over a long period of time where I, I sat in the uh, the front pew as, as the service was moving along, and the next thing to come after this song was done was I was going to preach and i and i i i w- I wasn't singing, I was just in the presence of the Lord there as others were singing and i and I thought to myself, Lord, don't make me do this <laughs> i I just prayed out lord i I, I- not only do I feel like I don't want to do this this morning, I don't think I can do this I don't think I have anything left this morning lord i don't and, and, you know, there was just this sense, uh, you know, say the heavens split and God spoke to me, but it was just a deep sense in my heart of, then just do it for me. Hmm. Just, just do it to me. Let them watch, but you just pour yourself out in your emptiness before me with this sermon and we'll worry about what they, I'll worry about what they get out of it. But you pour yourself out in in love to me and the wrestling you've done with Scripture and in in the frailty of your own heart. You just pour out your heart to me in this message and just worship me with it. And, And that really began to turn a corner in how I even view preaching at all is that for me, you know, hopefully the listening to it and interacting with the Word of God through it for the people is also an act of worship. But for me, it's just supremely become, I get to glory in and articulate the truths of this god who's revealed himself to us this is for me one of my supreme acts of worship and even and so for Aesop, you know he comes when he's at the low point for me when i'm becoming a low point it's it, you know you preach to yourself and god but the spirit does some remarkable things in your own heart even as you're doing that
0: As we think about uh, the Psalms of Asaph, apart from Psalm 73 and Psalm 50, where we have quotable verses that people might be familiar with, a lot of these Psalms uh, kind of go under the radar. And uh, Mm -hmm. even reading through them, people walk away saying, what did I just read? Uh, What kind of (laughs) encouragement and what advice do you have to our listeners and uh, uh, for them to study these Psalms and to read through them and to be patient with them? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I certainly do encourage people to to be patient with them and and to, you know, slow down. Don't feel like you have to, you know, cover a certain amount of ground. And just soak in one psalm for a while. Watch, you know, oftentimes uh, it's in a repetition of something, either a word or an idea, that the dominant point comes out. Uh, and begin to, they're very real, they're real-life things. I mean, these are just, you know, there's a vast variety to them. But the bottom line in each of them is some, just some really uh, practical uh, things that all of us wrestle with. I mean, the various themes that I've pulled out of these are mourning and patience and uh, reflection and being faithful and living with our own complexities and being able to listen, as well as speak in worship, and uh, being accountable, and finding purpose in life. and uh, So these all have those elements in there, and it's a matter, I think, of slowing down enough, and that's really what I think the Psalms require, is not a race through, you know, let's, let's see how fast I can do this, but really to stop and just uh, kind of marinate in a psalm, absorb it. Uh, one of the things I've been doing for several years is just taking a psalm and memorizing it and having it for the year in my and I just use it throughout the year in my own heart and mind and It's amazing what I discover not only in you know January and February as I'm working on that that psalm, but as I you know and I've got it down, I can memorize it and, you know and whatever but by the time I get to say August. October, November, the new things I'm discovering there. And so let yourself soak in these and and ask God to open your eyes, and He will. Hmm.
0: And of course, they can get a copy of your book, because that would be a great resource to help them yeah, kind of right. understand these psalms. But uh, I think one of the unique things, and you talked about this uh, already, but uh, you, what you bring out of these psalms is... The element of what is the worship component to these psalms, mm-hmm. and and if people are diligent, and I think if they're just reading through the psalms and they're intently looking for what is the worship component of this psalm, that'll start to tie it all together, won't it?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, each one really does distill down to to some particular element, and uh, and it, that is important in worship. We may not think of it immediately, but we begin to see that, and you know. So, for example, in Psalm 81, I talked. the really the essence of it all distills down to uh, the need in worship for listening. You know, we often think of, well, listen, or worship is I'm praying or I'm singing or, you know, I'm whatever, reading the word or, or something, and it, it's it's from me outward, and that's true, but there is a key component to worship that is listening, and that... I'm self serving as a pastor <laughs> that 's too bad, but I, I think there 's a key part to that we 're listening to the word we 're listening for God as as the word is exposed and expounded for us we're we're and the whole point there that I make is that if we 're not listening we 're not worshiping
0: hmm.
1: We may be doing a lot of different standard forms of worship, but if we don 't come with a listening heart, then we 're not worshiping and so I think each of those psalms really breaks down in some of those really simple and basic, but probing ways.
0: Hmm. The book is called Life as Worship. When reverence defines reality, it gives a great perspective of these psalms of Asaph that give us uh, insight in, from a priest or a pastor's heart. These psalms, they preach to our soul and they remind us of the great God that we all are called to worship and reminded to keep our eyes fixed on him. So, John, thank you so much for this book, but also for taking the time to talk with us a little bit uh, about it, and uh, your passion for it comes through very clearly. Well, thanks so much, Adam. It's been a privilege. We hope you enjoyed this interview made possible by our ministry at Songtime Radio. You can find out more information about our ministry by visiting our website at songtime.com, where you can find this and other interviews on our podcast series, as well as our weekday broadcast, which includes teaching, interviews, and music. We also want to encourage you to sign up for our free monthly newsletter, it's got encouraging articles, and there's no obligation to find out more information about our ministry. Again, visit our website at songtime.com. This ministry is made possible by people just like yourself. We are 100% supported by our listeners. So if you have been blessed today, why not join with the many voices together for that one message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with your donation to the Songtime ministry. To make a donation, you can do so online at our website at songtime.com, as well as by mail, it's right to our us at Songtime Radio, PO box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts 02630, or give us a call, make a donation over the phone. It's 508-362-7070. On behalf of our entire Songtime staff and our own Dr. John DeBrine, the founder here at Songtime, who encourages you to grow in grace and not groan in disgrace. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller. God bless.